We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on 21 Questions, I'm back. Also, who gets more sacks? Chris Jones by himself or George Karloftis and Frank Clark combined? Take a listen and find out for yourself. Closer than you think. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of 21 Questions, where we here at KCSN break down your questions. Now, you may be asking right now, where do I ask these questions? Where do they come from? It's in the KCSN Discord, right? And if you're not there, guys, you got to get there. If you've subscribed to KC Sports Network, you got an email, an invite. If you're a subscriber and you're not in there, just hit one of us up on Twitter. We will get you an invite in there. That way you can ask these questions as well. But right now, you're looking at us and you see it right here. This is bigger than a, you know Star Wars Episode One being made. This is bigger than Gandalf the White returning. The return of the Renaissance man himself. Craig Stout is back from way too long gone in the wilderness, in the mountains, providing infrastructure to people that have not had it before. Craig, buddy, how are you doing? Buddy, there was no work being done by me. I can I can assure you that That's there was the people zero. Say. Uh, people are wrong. That's that's what we have to say about that. No, I've been gone so long that this is the first time that I'm on a 21 questions featuring Macadoodles as the sponsor for this. And y'all know how much I love Macadoodles. So I love getting to have them rejoin us this year with their brand new Osage Beach, you know, Missouri location. I believe Tucker went there this past weekend. He can vouch that it was fantastic. And they got the Lee's Summit location opening up. So we love Macadoodles. We love that they're stuck with us. And buddy, I love getting to see your face. This it's been too long since I've seen your face. I I, I feel 
sad that I have missed so many of the goings on of KCSN over the past week and a half. We all know how this thing works. I miss a week and a half. I miss all sorts of announcements. I'm I'm glad that you got to go out there and help those that need. They needed buildings. They needed electricity, running water. I get it. You, they needed your help. I'm glad that you were able to go out there and do that. But I'm also very happy that you know we got to spend some time here. Uh, it took us a while to get started. There's going to be some catching up with Craig, so we're gonna we're gonna get going on the show first. But um, the first question we have, I don't assume you were busy. You were busy helping others. You didn't get to listen to this last week's 21 questions. The question was proposed to Tucker and Kent. If Kent and I were to play a game of 21, what would the line be? What now, I got two questions. What would I say? What is do you think line? Tucker said? And what is your line if Kent and I were playing a game with traditional 21 rules? What would you set okay. the line as? He was on the podcast with Kent, right? Yes. Okay, so Tucker's a very nice gentleman. He, he's very kind. He probably didn't want to make Kent feel bad. So I would guess he set the line at, oh, probably closer than it should be three points. We'll call it two or three points or something like Boy, that. Are you sure you didn't listen? I think he said it exactly I, I promise three. you I didn't. <laughs> he said it at three. He he gave me three. Like, I was, I'm minus three in okay. Tucker's world of Kent and I playing 21. Now, Kent asked to set the line in a game of 21 between each other. That's not fun. You can't set the line on yourselves on a game of 21. You got to do it for somebody else. So you now get to set the line of Kent and I in a game of 21. I mean, listen, (laughs) I love Kent. Kent can't. Like, he just can't. (laughs) It ain't happening. Like, I... 10 plus like we're going to double digits on this thing kent come after me listen i'll tell you what kent if i'm setting the line between you and i kent i'm only giving myself eight so i i we maddie's the one that's gonna win here well i'm I'm giving him that so don't feel bad about that oh this is this is great this this is exactly what i need because kent's adamant he's adamant that he's got a chance i just you know, I, I told him, unless he turns into Steph Curry and he's for some reason not playing in the NBA, I just told him there's no chance. But, you know, um, so yeah, he wanted us to set the line between us two. We're not going to do that. We spent a lot of time talking basketball the last time. Ken and I started a podcast that was supposed to be about the Chiefs. This one's a little bit more freestyle, so this is okay. <laughs> I did say that you would be my toughest matchup out at KCS in group. Now, do I think I'd still win? I, you know, I'm a little confident in myself. Yes. But I did say you would be my most difficult matchup, and I told Kent he'd be light work, and you know, we agree on that, so I know we're right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. That first five or six points... That's going to be hell on both of us. And then my body's going to fall apart and you're going to run away with it. But this is exactly that's what I said. I said, I said that Craig, he'd make it hard. Like my, you know, if nothing's fallen for me, I'm going down to the post and Craig's the only person that's going to be able to stand a chance down there. Sure. But then I'm just going to attack his knees in space. Like we're just going to oh, make yeah. him run. No. After I was like, we're just going to make it, him run. I will disintegrate. Uh, Can't confirm. <laughs> That I will disintegrate there. Okay, we can move off the basketball questions now. This is okay. fun. This is going to be a long going bit. I told Kent next time we're in person, we're going to go find a park. We're playing. I don't care if we have to miss oh, man. an actual he football event. Wrecked. We are going to play again. He's like, "What are we going to do? Play in just whatever shoes we're like? I will play you barefoot. I don't care, Kent. I will win regardless this man, of the shoes. This man and his arguments about the clothes that he's wearing and why he can't compete. <laughs> We're moving on. We're moving on. I'm moving on here. We're going to start with LOZ underscore Z-Man on the KCSN Discord here. Thinking about the Orlando Brown deal, I'm curious if Casey is about to put too much money into the offensive line. Teams are not going to blitz, and the running game is not going to be utilized. 
are the Chiefs about to be overspending on the offensive line? That's a fun question there. I mean, Maddie, you want to take this one first? Sure. Um, okay. Immediately, no. I, because they have three rookie deals on the offensive line right now, you are safe for the next two to three to four years, really, of not overpaying with those guys. And by the time that one or two of those guys are hitting their big money, you're presumably going to be moving on from Joe Tooney because you'll be up there in age. Now, mm -hmm. the holdup is if Creed Humphrey, if Trey Smith, and let's say Lucas Niang, if all these guys hit and you want to keep them all, and you pay Orlando Brown, presumably on a long-term contract, there will be some overlap, and you probably are starting to get up there a little bit. But at that point in time, when we're talking a minimum three years away, you're going to have some turnover. You're going to lose Travis Kelsey's contracts, probably going to be a little bit lower by then. You're not going to be paying receivers a lot of money. So it'll balance out. I don't think there's a huge concern there. I just, it, there's something to keep in mind moving forward. If you think you were going to hit on all these offensive linemen, eventually you will have to turn over probably one of those good players if you're going to pay Orlando Brown a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. And I mean, it, that kind of goes part and parcel with drafting well, which Brett Veach has done a good job of the past two years. This continues. Well, then, yeah, no, pay, pay the guys that you feel confident in because right now, it, like, you're rectifying a lot of holes that we are wanting the Chiefs to be able to spin. So now all of a sudden, paying two offensive linemen a lot of money doesn't hurt as bad if you're finding corners, safeties, linebackers, pass rushers, hopefully. You know, if you're finding these sorts of guys in the draft and you are not having to spend a whole lot of money to keep them on your roster, well, hell yeah, man. Pay the ones that you want to and just kind of move along. At that point, you get your flexibility. I do really like the element of that. The the team's not blitzing Mahomes because he's lethal against the blitz. And then the running game. Like, that element of it is not something that, you know, that we're seeing a ton of. So, yeah, I do understand. It's like if you're not going to use some of the value there, well, then it gets to be a little more dicey about paying some of that stuff. But if people start adopting this more Fangio Staley scheme, you're going to be seeing a lot more four-man rush and a lot more effective pass rushers off the edge, which then turns around and tackles being super important again. All right, Jesse W., where are the best places to sit at training camp for autographs to watch the skilled players and the best place to watch the O-line, D-line, one-on-ones? Well, you've got the right position grouping. Like, that is the most <laughs> fun ones right yeah. there. Those those are the most fun. They move those guys around, though. Um, it's not always in one location, unfortunately. That's going to be one of those that you feel out on the day. Luckily, you don't have to pick a spot to sit until, you know, you can kind of get going. If you're like Maddie or I, like you sit down to start camp and you're kind of hanging out and you're chilling out for a little bit. And then you turn around and you just start walking all over camp to find out <laughs> where you want to go. We do a, a lot of movement. We, we do a lot of movement. So, you know, we, we move around a lot. You see what you want to see at that point. As far as autographs go, um, you know, going up the hill, a lot of times they have a dedicated autograph session. You'll kind of see where everybody's congregating along the the fence in front of the media tents but going up the hill a lot of times people congregate there and you'll have some players that come through and you know, sign autographs there the one tricky part is you'll probably get both of those sets of one-on-ones at the same time so it's yeah. going to be hard to it's going to be hard to see both um 
to get the best view of the you know wide receiver cornerback one on ones, it's about the fifty yard line, but higher up in the bleachers because a lot of times they put those on the far field actually, and that's kind of frustrating. So you can see them a little bit better from the far field, or you could walk over there. Offensive defensive line one on ones usually at the far end zone. Like you're going to come in from the same spot every time. They usually do those at the far end zone, but you have plenty of warning that you can get up and walk over there when it's time for that if you want to see it. It's like just be prepared to move a little bit if you're really interested in seeing what's happening. I know last year when we went, there was, it was a downpour, I think, one of the days. It was just a lot of rain right before or while we were there and like not a lot of people wanted to get up and move and like if it's a really crowded day it kind of feels awkward to step around everybody sitting on the bleachers you know just do whatever you feel comfortable with but i'd say be ready to move because you gotta go where you gotta go Mm -hmm. go watch oldls like seriously and hopefully frank is there and vocal like he is one of the most fun players to watch in oldls like he he really will talk the whole time and he's fun and those guys will chirp back that's where you see a lot of you know little altercation mini altercations there zeke if each team in the division were a cocktail drink what would they be and why that is a tough one to come up off the dome maddie i'm gonna start with the chargers chargers are a bloody mary sounds really good and nice and spicy at the beginning and then you start getting into the middle of it and you're like you know what this is kind of petering out on me i don't know that i'm going to be able to really finish this as an elite drink and then by the end of it you're just like eh, that was a little too much it didn't really work for me even though it sounded good on paper okay that's a good one um hmm, this is tricky the raiders a white russian because just nobody thinks that's actually a good idea just no just no, not a good idea. You know it. We know it. Everybody knows it. And you can convince yourself that it might be, but no, that's you're wrong. Oh, the fact that Derek Carr being the face <laughs> of the white Russians is just, I don't know why that fits so well to me. It just really does fit super well to me. Um, the Broncos, man, I hate to give them something good. I was going to say old-fashioned, but I actually like old-fashions, and I yeah. do not like the Broncos. <laughs> so, um, man, they're they're just a really tough one to kind of pin down here because I want to pick something aged and <laughs> just going with the Russell Wilson theme. But man, well, it's got to be something corny because of Russell Wilson. It does have it's to be, be something, something corny. Man, <laughs> so a corn-based whiskey, something that nobody's really enjoying. There, it's very, it's very cheap. Um, it's not cheap. It's, it's just, it's just, just corn from... kernels soaked in whiskey is really all that it is. There you go. <laughs> just... Love it. Love it. We call it the Wilson around here. <laughs> I, I, we right. actually call it the Unlimited. The we don't know. <laughs> Mr. Unlimited. Uh, Grayson asks, who gets more sacks? Chris Jones or George Karloftis and Frank Clark combined, Maddie. Mm, I don't like this. Um, <laughs> Chris Jones, outside of one year, has not put up ludicrous sack numbers. Very, you would assume with the way his sack production has fallen, that two players, the next best two pass rushers on his team, should almost always have more sacks than him for the majority of the numbers that he has put up. I don't know if that has happened, <laughs> despite the fact that it should. 
Um, this would probably be as good of a year as any. I just don't know what we're getting out of Frank Clark. Like his latest picture on Instagram, he looks good. He looks a little bit bigger. He looks like he's in really good shape. He looks dense. Like he doesn't just mm -hmm. look thick. He looks dense, which is good. But what is he going to get on the field? What is George Karloftis going to do if he's operating as a true defensive end one or a two or even a little bit of a defensive end one because Frank Clark's not given enough juice? What can we really anticipate his production to be? I think you're kind of looking at if this is to be happen, George and Frank both have about five apiece, maybe six for Frank, four for Karloftis, and they barely edge out Chris Jones. The thing is, though, if Frank Clark and George Karloftis start putting up numbers like that, I think that only helps Chris Jones get mm -hmm. more. Well, so I'm going to lean towards Chris Jones. I just don't know if the number is going to be that impressive, though. I think I think it's going to be Frank and George. I, I think it will be close. I, I think that Chris is going to have a good year playing defensive tackle all year long he's not going to be asked to kind of rotate out there at defensive end like he was last year so i think that he's going to have a good year i just think yeah like maddie said i think frank looks good it's obviously you know he's got sobriety that he's dealing with i was the tag that was on there four months no liquor you know good for the man you know that's awesome we'll see how that translates to the field i i hope it does and i think that if you see Frank look good and you see Chris look good in a similar way. I think you're going to see George get one-on-ones all game long. And I can see him finishing some games, just that motor, that power, what we talked about with Karloftis since he was drafted. Basically I can see him getting some cleanup stuff late in games as teams are trying to play catch up with the chiefs a little bit. So I'm going to go with the two edges over the interior defensive lineman. ABKC. If we are to believe the hype could MVS outperform or outproduce Devonte adams this year uh no <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> i don't think that there's a chance i know that Devonte adams probably going to take a small step back in you know in that regard with the raiders but i just think that I, they're going to funnel their offense through him they they are and Devonte adams is a top one receiver like mvs i i think we're high on him i think we think that he's going to be pretty good for the chiefs this season but no, I don't think that there's any chance that he catches Devontae Adams short of injury. So, yeah, I, I, right. I, no chance. Yeah, No chance. <laughs> Wes, is there a schematic or personnel reason that the Chiefs have not run as much true play action over the past few years? Matthew, my friend, you're writing a play action series on KCSN Daily, the KCSN Substack, which you can subscribe to for $30 and get in here, be asking us questions as well. Get all these film reviews, get all these breakdowns. Maddie, you are writing about play action right now. Yeah, uh, I am. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, seeing, I spent a lot of time watching the 2017 Chiefs because that was Matt Nagy's last year. Then Alex mm -hmm. Smith, the vertical passing attack was really good, but entirely different than what it is now. But the funny thing is if you start to watch into 2018, you can very clearly see the bleed over from that 2017 into that 2018 season with Patrick Mahomes, but you also start to see the transition. The type of even true like hard play action plays they run change from vertical concepts to a lot of crossers. And then you all of a sudden, now a lot of stuff's coming out of shotgun instead of out of under the center. So the short answer is Patrick LaVon Mahomes is why they do less of it. Like this team has transitioned or transitioned from a run or horizontal stretching team to this a little bit more of a vertical stretching team with Patrick Mahomes, you're going to do what is best for the team, which is letting him throw the football. There's no reason to sit there and waste time running on first and second down three or four times throughout, you know, a game just to set up a third and six and hope that you pull it off. Instead, you're going to let Patrick Mahomes 
go pick up the first down whenever he wants. And he proven to be very good at that. So this team spends more time spread out, more time in shotgun. It's a lot harder to set up a true play action pass out of shotgun, especially when all the runs that you base out of are inside zone, outside zone. You can't really make a great hard play action play with those from the gun. And then you add on to it, okay, you're dealing with a great quarterback who sees the field well. What does he do best? He wants to spread the field out. You want to get five wide, get everybody out in routes and let him make a decision. That doesn't really work with true play action. True play action oftentimes is two or three man routes at most. So it's just the offense was better without going to this heavy play action attack. Teams are just starting to catch up to it now. So I think that's why everyone's thinking that maybe we should return to things that Alex Smith had a lot of success with. That Even Patrick Mahomes had success with early on. It's just the evolution of this offense based around the talent that they had and how good they were dictated them to not get under center as often, not slow down, not attack deep as frequently and as often. So it's, you know, good and bad. It's like a double-edged sword having a quarterback that good. He made you call games a little bit differently, scheme a little bit differently because of how good he was. And now it's kind of teams have caught up and that's the cycle of football. And a part of that that I think people look at and they go, oh, play action passing. Oh, that's great. Play action passing. You, you know, definitely got to have play action. It definitely sucks some defenders in, but the areas of the field that the Chiefs have really tried to focus on hitting, especially against like quarters heavy teams and stuff like that, those dudes are reading the offensive line anyway. So if the offensive line, you know, are playing high hat, they're dropping into like hard play action stuff where you're not going to be selling the run like you are on like RPO or something like that. You're going to have those safeties that are going to read those offensive linemen popping up and going, nope, this is definitely a pass. And so they're going to still keep that depth. And so if you're doing that, now all of a sudden, like Maddie's saying there, you got a two-man route. You're not fooling the safeties anymore because all these teams are playing this too high stuff, playing these flat-footed reads and stuff like that instead of you know trying to fit the run with their safeties. And now you're taking a longer time to develop some of this stuff against some of these four-man rushes. So now you're just not really playing to the strengths of the way that defenses play against the Chiefs offense right now. Now, the way to counter all that is to hand the damn ball off. Like, <laughs> you just, just hand the ball off, and now all of a sudden you get safeties that start trying to key on that stuff, stop reading the offensive line as much because the Chiefs will be running into light boxes and things like that. Then you can start playing off of that with some hard play action, take your shots there. But I think that's why we haven't seen as much of it because they're just not, they haven't been leaning on the run, and frankly, they really didn't have the offensive line to do it until last year, and then they didn't do it. So, all right, Lee87, who would you trade between Maddie, Craig, and Kent for Joel, Alex, or Kaiser, the, the Royals Farm Reporter guys, for one year? Who would you trade for whom? And then he adds, I'll just add that I only bought the year subscription to be able to ask questions. Good for you, Lee. I am trading myself for Joel because I witnessed what that looked like when on NFL Draft Weekend. The um, the way these guys bonded, the, these three guys bonded, was just wonderful. And I know nothing about the Royals. So I could just go over there. I know Josh personally. So I can just run over there and just completely wreck that podcast with no baseball takes whatsoever. I think it would be pretty entertaining for me to bounce over there. That sounds like the most the most entertaining route. I, I was thinking that we should just send Kent off for his one true love, the Royals, and just take back whoever <laughs> whoever wants to come. Like, you know, 
we'll send Kent off the talk Royals. We we don't talk about baseball over here. We'll let Kent get scratch his itch for the next year, <laughs> talking about that lovely, lovely baseball team that is doing great things right now. And then he can come back and he'll have a new appreciation for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> That's what it is. We got to send him away to make his heart grow fonder for the Chiefs. That's what it is. B Higgs 55 with the reveal of the Texas new red helmet. We got to know what alternate helmet you would like to see Kansas City add. He also adds, feel free to discuss full alternate uniform options, of course. Well, me and Maddie being the resident youths on this podcast. As I always say. As we always have commented, I think we are the two that are most open to like drastic shifts in uniforms for, for sure. any sports franchise, not just the Chiefs. Like yeah, the only on the only jersey that's safe in the entire world to me is Penn State's, and I don't even know why. It's not like other teams <laughs> don't do the same thing, but like Penn State can stay the same, but everybody else everywhere change it up. Mm-hmm. Please. So we're open for drastic stuff. I saw the the Bengals announced their white helmets. They're all white tiger stuff. That looks awesome to me. And I'm not even a giant fan of the Chiefs white on whites, but I I really like the white helmet. I really like all that stuff. I'm open to the old Dallas Texans helmets every once in a while. I thought those were cool when the Chiefs wore them a few years back as an alternate. Like I'm not really all that picky. Just hit me with alternates. I. I'm completely on board with them. I get for merchandising purposes, I guess it's probably a pain in the butt. Like I get it, but I don't need them. Like I, I don't want the chiefs to change just for like all the time. Like if they want to get an entirely new uniform, cool. I'm okay with it. Like I like some updated uniforms. Some I think are garbage, but I like them trying. But like, if you want to go Oregon ducks on it and literally have like mm-hmm. 16, 17 different uniforms for you. Sure. Have at it. Some are going to be good. Some are going to be bad. Some are going to be, eh. But who cares? Like it's something fresh. It's something new like that. I find that far more exciting than having the same thing. I don't have an attachment to the chief specific Jersey. Um, I like the white on whites the best, but I'm not going to be punching air if they wear the red on red or if they wear red and white or white and red or whatever else they do. Just whatever you do. The one thing I ask is no yellow Jersey, no no yellow yellow helmet. And please do not mix even amounts of red and yellow because then it will always look like Ronald McDonald. There's no way it will not look like Ronald McDonald if it is even red and yellow. But no, just yellow doesn't need to be there. Yellow is an accent color. Come on. Mm -hmm. The only team in the world that pulls off yellow as a primary color well is Borussia Dortmund in (laughs) over in Germany. It's it's yellow and black. They're the only team that pulls it off well. I think the Lakers are good too. Like the Lakers are chill, but it's like a goldish. Okay. So I may have blanked on the Lakers. The Lakers can get away with it. They've had it forever. That's but yeah, that that's it. Don't don't make a pivot to yellow in the year of our Lord 2022. Mustard. Come on. Yeah, I do, just don't do that at all. So, all right. Um, Mike Denny, how many snaps and at what pressure rate do you want to see from Malik Herring and Joshua Kando for you to be comfortable without Bob Quinn, Maddie? <laughs> uh, I'm right. processing it. Be realistic. I would like. I would like them to play zero snaps because that means somebody else is really darn good. And that makes me feel better about not having rubber. If Malik Herring and Joshua Kando are playing significant snaps, I think the Chiefs are in a world of hurt. Uh, I get Kando earning some more based on just the raw athleticism, not getting to see much of him last year, but he was also a healthy scratch for a reason. So like, I'm not putting my eggs in that basket, but you want to tell me he's earned some snaps. Okay, fine. 
But you start getting a Malik Herring playing double-digit sacks per week and Joshua Kando coming near 50% of the snaps a week, like you got problems. Like, and unless you were talking about pressure rate, like Craig is the pressure rate king over here with this kind of stuff, but like unless they are producing at a starter or high end rotational level pr- pressure rate. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I do not want to see them play a lot of snaps. I think that means bad things for this defensive line unit. I mean, yeah. If, if they're running up around the 12, 13% mark, even if they're just playing on passing downs, like give me that. Like we, we were cool with bringing back taco Charlton when he had, you know, like an 18, 19% pressure rate, but it was on just the very minimal snaps and it was only on passing downs. That's fine. We got room for a pass rush specialist, but Robert Quinn's a little bit more than that. I don't think that it's going to be just sacks with Quinn. He, he's bringing more to the table. The run defense is very good. It, it, it really is. So you're, you're going to get more there. Jesse W. I hear that we will have a lot of cap space next offseason. Maddie's favorite talk, cap talk. Do you guys see there being any true top-tier edge rushers available for the Chiefs to spend on next year? We've been talking about this a little bit. Um, I think the guys that are going to be available are largely too old from what we, we've we seen from you know Brett Veach. He's definitely got a type. If they were going to spend on a top-tier edge rusher, there were more available this offseason, and they could have cleared the space a lot of different ways. They didn't touch Patrick Mahomes' contract this year at all. And they're, I mean, it's going to be fine. Like it frees up some money down the road. It's not like it's a bad thing that they didn't touch it. But if they truly wanted to play in that market, they absolutely could have. So, no, I don't see a lot of those guys getting out. I don't see the guys that are potentially going to be available aren't leaving the teams that they're coming from. You're not going to see a Bosa hit the market or anything like that. It's just not going to happen. Those guys are going to stay put. So I, I think that if the chiefs are going to play in the edge market, they're going to play in a mid tier market for a guy that's around 26, 27, 28. It's had a couple good seasons, maybe a trade. Maybe they find a guy that they can trade for that. A team is, you know, largely trying to sell, trying to free up some assets and go with a guy there that maybe is a little more established, but nearing the tail end of his contract. But, you know, maybe like a Bob Quinn or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Just to throw a name out there. The uh, only guys I think that even here come close to being like hot commodities um, that you might see Bradley Chubb. Uh, I don't know if the number is going to let him go or not. I don't know how he, I don't know how that situation's going. He probably shouldn't given that there are other edge rushers, Randy Gregory, but Bradley Chubb set to be an unrestricted free agent. He's still going to be, under 28 you know, be 27 years old next year. So we'll see how that goes. And then Marcus Davenport is maybe finally mm-hmm. going to get away from the saints. Same thing. I think he's going to be 27 ish around that time. I don't think either guy are elite pass rushers though. So like, I don't know if they fit in They're somewhere between mid tier and probably elite pass rushers in terms of their pay. It's like, those are the two guys to keep your eye on. Yannick and is going to be a little bit older, but you know, he's still good. Um, he doesn't fit the Chiefs in Steve Spagnuolo's at mold all. at all. But, and he's terrible versus the run, but he's going to be a free agent. It's like, that's it. It's not a strong edge rusher free agency class. So, you know, what, what are you going to spend it on? It's never going to be either. Like, it's never going to be a good edge no. rusher. No, no. See, class. that's one of those things. I mean, it, well, just a little detour here. It, it kind of goes part and parcel with the left tackle discussion. Great left tackles don't hit the free agency market. And when they do, the team that tries that wants to keep them usually tries to keep them. 
a la Trent Williams. Like, I mean, they, they tend to be older guys. It doesn't tend to make it to where young guys that are good, not even like, you know, elite, but even good, don't hit the free agency market very often at those positions right there because they're hard to find. You strike out in, in the draft a lot trying to draft those types of guys. And the guys that are good, you just cling to them for dear life until their production falls off because you don't you don't want to deal with trying to replace them, trying to find another guy that can rush the passer or protect the passer. No. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Kay Gumminger and a little bit Dylan26. How much did you miss us? I missed you guys so damn much. Um, I turned my phone off completely. I had no real like no real contact with anybody for like 99%. Maddie can confirm. I was just blank. I was this off the grid. Fact, I told you he was bringing civilization to people who didn't have it. No, <laughs> but uh the I so I didn't get to hear the Chiefs news and things like that, NFL news, while it was happening very much. Me either. But that was a choice I, did, <laughs> I did get to meet up with my pals uh, Charles Goldman from Chiefs Wire. And um, I got to meet up with Austin. You guys know him as at Real Bird Lawyer out there. I would highly suggest that if you want to go off the grid and you don't want to get your NFL news from Twitter or from social media at all, arrange for those two to meet you for beers and have them fill you in like that's i think i'm going to start a subscription service i'm going to allocate their time i'll, I'll give them some money i'll dole it out to those two but no it, it was wonderful it was a good time i'm glad i got to meet those guys in person and yeah they're good dudes go read their work and do all that stuff all right Andy Nagel, favorite player when you were a kid mine was the nigerian nightmare christian okoye Derek Thomas, a very close second. Maddie, who's your favorite player when you were a kid? Andy Moss. Yeah. I wore yeah. Randy, I mean, that's I wore, hard to do growing I up. I wore a era. Vikings Randy Moss jersey to like my second game Chiefs game ever. 
at Arrowhead, I wore a Vikings Randy Moss jersey. And oddly, there was a lot of purple in the stands. I mean, it's also why Chris Jones yelled at us as fans for not supporting very well. is because the Vikings fans apparently travel really well to Arrowhead or something. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I liked Randy Moss as a kid. It was... He was like, I'm sure there was more favorites before that. Like, you know, like I was, my dad was a big Jerry Rice fan just growing up at that time. So I liked him. You know, there's various guys throughout. Like Randy Moss was the first guy that I was like, oh my God, I, this guy's the greatest thing ever. I'm going to be the keys, my favorite player bar none. So. I mean, yeah, I, I grew up with a Koye. I, I was, you know, right in the sweet spot when Montana got traded to the Chiefs to like really go head over heels for Montana and that, you know, that offense and everything like that. That was that was a hell of a lot of fun. Marcus Allen, that was, you know, that was a lot of fun as well. I was the potentially the world's biggest Bo Jackson fan, but even I knew that it wasn't right to cheer for him when he switched sports. So I, I got to just stick with him during baseball and then not go with him during football or else he probably would be the guy up there. <laughs> um, see here. Will Travis Kelsey have over or under 1200 yards without Tyreek Hill? I'm going over. I really am. I'm going over. Um, listen, Travis Kelsey has been one of the main focal points for the Chiefs offense since ever. And he, the man just puts up yards over and over and over again. It doesn't matter how much teams try and take away different guys and stuff like that. Yeah, they're playing too high because Tyreek's on the field. They're still going to play too high because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. Like it's going to happen still. Travis Kelsey's still going to have some room to operate. He's also going to have other guys in that intermediate area. The teams can't just close on him, double team him as easily. So I think you're going to see Travis Kelsey continue that streak. He looks great. He's having a good time this offseason, but he genuinely looks great. He looks like he's really taking care of his body. I think we're going to see another great Travis Kelsey here. And the target share, his is definitely not going down. If anything, it's going up. So with that being the case, yeah, over 1,200. Yeah, three out of the last four years, he's surpassed 1,200 yards. I know they've all been with Tyreek, but at certain points, you know, Tyreek's missed a little bit of time. There's been other stuff. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also say I think it's over. I think they might have to force feed him a few more targets this year and specific spots too, which is going to help his case. Yeah, he's going to receive more attention, but I think at some point in time, the Chiefs will, Andy Reid will find a way to stretch defenses enough vertically that you're not going to be able to completely sell out on stopping Travis Kelsey without getting beat by the long ball. So like I, the efficiency, you know, might be a little bit lower. He might see his most targets that he's had during, you know, this Mahomes stretch. Uh, but I think he'll get enough targets to get over 1,200 yards again. Yeah. All right, Nick. Knowing how the Orlando Brown contract situation is playing out, do you grade that trade and this year's free agency differently? What about the draft? Should they have taken a tackle in round two? It seemed like maybe they could have squeezed one in. Rounds two, three seemed a little bit more like luxury picks position-wise. Um, Maddie. What's what's your take on this? I know you've already talked a little bit about Orlando Brown this week, yeah. but I'll let you drop yours in there, however bridge they may be, and I can get mine. Um, so the offseason, I 
I guess it's kind of tricky because you could almost say the Chiefs maybe foresaw something like this happening, and that's why they couldn't play in this veteran defensive end free agency market. I mean, Brett Veach came out and said Tyreek Hill was what was holding that back, but what if it's this Orlando Brown thing? You look at him right now, they have, what, $11 million in cap space, if I am reading mm-hmm. this correctly? That's not enough to sign Von Miller. That's not enough to sign Chandler Jones. Could they have moved stuff around to make it work? Probably, but they didn't want to do that. So like if they knew this was going to happen, that does probably alter things they did. And who is to say that it didn't already. As far as the draft goes, like, yeah, I think you could have worked one in there. Like, I think if you wanted to go chasing an offensive tackle, taking a tackle instead of Brian Cook, who might end up still being a great safety, it was 100% an option. But were you really going to draft a much better, much especially better on day one offensive tackle than Darian Kennard that you already got on day three. I don't know. We talked about it. Left tackles are hard to find good ones, especially ones that Andy Reed and Andy heck like that are big long can have some level of movement skills. Those guys don't go with the end of the second round very often, unless they're bad football players. Right? So yeah. I don't know if there was really much of an option to do anything differently than they did. I just do wonder how much this potential issue happening did weigh in on the fact of them not going after veteran free agents at the defensive end spot. It's why Maddie and I spend so much of the lead up to the draft trying to talk ourselves into toolsy offensive tackles and like we we convince ourselves that they're going to go late round two and then they end up going like round five, round six, and then they never do anything in the NFL. Because Let me tell you about are. this guy from BYU for this upcoming year right now. <laughs> Okay, let's just turn this into that. This is just I, I'm I'm on a, I'm on board, but no, I mean like we do that every year because you miss out on them when you don't have a top ten pick. Like I was just saying, you know, if you have a left tackle, you keep your left tackle because they're damn hard to find. It's why the Rayshon Slaters, the Penny Sewells, those guys go as high as they do, and you see teams spend so many assets at the top of the draft, knocking these offensive tackles off. You know five six seven guys going in the you know early picks there before the chiefs really have a chance to sit down and go yeah we're ready to spend a pick on offensive tackle so no i don't i don't i think that you know the trade is fine i'm fine with the trade you know again the rough value about pick 40 i don't think that you're finding a better player at pick 40 to play offensive tackle for this team i just don't i i don't think so i he he's he's good enough to beat that out, especially when you look at the pick 40s. And I'm not talking about the anomalies. Again, Orlando Brown was, you know, a later round pick. You you can always find guys, but generally the guys that go in that range at offensive tackle are not guys that are three-time pro bowlers. They're just not. They they don't make those positions. They don't, they're not that well regarded. So with that in mind, that doesn't change my opinion of the draft. Now if you wanted to take more stabs at offensive tackle, by all means, I think you're in a luxury position. Now, if you've got guys that you feel confident enough in on the outside, always build that depth because when you do find one of those guys, you can ease them into that position. You don't have to rely on them immediately. And that is other than a good backup quarterback is the most you know important backup position in the NFL is the single biggest thing that can wreck your team is to have your offensive tackles get hurt as the chiefs are very well aware of. So yeah, if they didn't do it, that obviously means they didn't feel super confident in what was on the board round two, round three. 
Trent G, after hearing Justin Reed talk about our offense on Good Morning Football, how pumped are you for the season to start? That man's very excited about this team, despite not seeing them in pads yet, like <laughs> or really any advanced concepts. We know Andy Reed works on some stuff, doesn't really drill down into a whole bunch of stuff. I think he's just, I mean, he knows what good football looks like. He knows Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is over there. I mean, he's been in the league long enough to see these guys and know what he's been playing with, know what he's been practicing against, everything like that. Some of them were under Bill O'Brien. So, man, I can't imagine what an Andy Reid practice must feel like compared to that. It's got to feel just like floating on a magical cloud of awesomeness or something like that. But, no, I mean, I'm sure he's he's sitting there. He's looking at the way it's clicking. I'm excited for it too. I'm excited to see how this is going to look, but yeah, I mean, it, it gets me more hyped because I genuinely enjoy Justin Reed. And if he's excited about it, well, hell yeah, I'm excited about it too. It's definitely what you want to hear, right? Like there's nothing bad. Like I can't say anything poorly about it. You know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the pads. Let's see what happens with the pads. Let's see what happens in preseason gets here, right? Like what's he going to do? Go out there and say that it's not looking so great that they're going through <laughs> a lot of going through a lot, a big learning curve. Like, they don't look sharp, Bob. <laughs> there's not a lot else he can say, but yeah, he does seem genuinely excited about it. And he's probably happy to not have to be playing this team again, because that hasn't always gone well for the Texans. <laughs> so, you know, like I get it. I get why he's a little amped. And then I get in the situation. He kind of had to say those things. So it's good. Yes. I'm not going to overreact to it. You know, at this point in time though, Casey from KC, this is kind of a, question here but it's also kind of a, a natural macadoodles ad that the man put in there hashtag, stop by the macadoodles. Ad. hashtag ad stop by the macadoodles in springfield off of 360 driving back to dfw today great first visit look up alex in the wine department if you go to that location everybody there is great everybody at every macadoodles is great yes have you tried peach crown royal yet i have not i i i've had a few peach whiskeys i am very fond of it i know that Tucker, our producer, I can see him right down there at the bottom of my screen. Y'all can't, but I can see him right now. Just took a nice big swig off of a drink that he made. I'm with pretty sure Crown Tucker's Crown working Royal. on like his 13th bottle of Crown Royal Peach <laughs> over the past week and a half at this point in time. And I know he got them from Macadoodles. So just, it's true. just symbiotic relationship there. It's, it's wonderful. Lay Tony 44. How much is everyone overreacting to the Brown news? <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's, Listen, there's it's a, a lot of story until he holds out. Like I just put it if he the tag, if he doesn't play, if he, or if he signs a long-term extension, who cares? He's playing for the chiefs this year. And then if he starts to hold out, then it be, if he starts to hold out of training camp, it becomes worth talking about now. And then if he starts to hold out in this preseason games or real games, then okay, then it's a problem that you actually have to deal with. But until then, like if it just plays out with him playing on the tag, it's a zero, it's a zero issue. So nobody should be worrying about it. I would 100% agree. As long as he doesn't hold out into the season, Eric Berry held out until August 28th on the franchise tag man did not want to play on the franchise tag let the chiefs know it i remember the discourse around that being the franchise just needed to suck it up and pay him this is what they have to deal with now now orlando brown jr might have the same thing and it's a polar opposite thing i get i, I understand the why don't don't get me wrong i understand the why with ev and all of that but he held out that entire preseason and then walked into the season 
and was a first team all pro. Like, I mean, it, these guys have been around. They know how to do things. Yes, the reps are important. I'm not saying the reps aren't important. We obviously would prefer for Orlando Brown Jr. to be there, but I'm not going to worry about how his lack of reps are affecting his game until they actually affect his game or until he actually misses time on the field. He's playing for this team. I think he's playing week one, and I don't think that we're going to really be too worried about the situation if he's playing on the franchise tag this season because he's just going to turn around and ask for more money next year. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Corey Peter, this with the Matrix. Whose residual self-image would the KCSN bot represent? And then he said, hashtag Craig is the one. It's, it's probably me because I set the bot up and then I just kind of let it run. The, the bot in the Discord that greets everybody and posts all the podcasts and everything like that. But honestly, at this point, it's probably better suited to be Tucker. My man, oh, it's, the, the, it's, it's 1,000% better 100% Tucker. Tucker, but only it has to be wearing the sunglasses that he was wearing in Vegas after you and I left. You and I weren't there, but he's got to be wearing those very specific yeah. round sunglasses that were way too small for his face. <laughs> and that is what it is. Is, is. is he carrying the yard of daiquiri around? Is that is that part of the the, the KCSN? Yes, because that's the, what he that's what he uses to get everybody. He just swings it like a baseball bat, and then he hits him with a club rip in the middle of the streets of Vegas. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. That poor kid it, at the Eminem store did not see the spin move coming. He did Man's not. Still picking up his ankles off the Eminem store floor. <laughs> Casey for Casey asks a football question here. How many catches slash receiving yards will tight end two have this oh, year? And then total yardage by running backs this year. Maddie, I, I mean, we, we can talk about that a little bit, but we talked about it also a little bit in the discord today about the types of guys that are, you know, you're keeping on the roster, the roster spots. We talked a little bit about running backs, everything. Again, get in the Discord. You can you can have these sorts of conversations with everybody here. But we talked a little bit about the value of keeping four running backs versus keeping four tight ends. This kind of dovetails into some of this because, honestly, the catches receiving yards by tight end two is going to be low. Like, what, maybe 20 catches? Uh 200 yards something That's, like that like i think that would be like the highest yeah at least since mahomes has been playing but that might even go back to some of the alex years too like the chiefs have just had enough weapons for a while that your second tight end is i don't think he's breaking 100 yards i mean at least since demetrius football i don't think that's happened so um yeah like uh you're, if they break 100, if your tight end two breaks 100 yards, that's like a big win. Your tight end two for the Chiefs is mostly a blocker. Could I see somebody like a Jody Fortson, who was flashing a little bit before getting hurt last year, maybe have a 50 or 60 yard game and then throw in enough numbers throughout the rest of the mm -hmm. year to do it? Sure, because I think he has that kind of athletic ability. All it takes is him catching one little screen or getting loose and making one downfield catch like he was able to do last year to start putting up some numbers. Like, I do think a tight end this year will break a hundred, a tight end two will break a hundred yards. I just don't know how high it will be. And if I were placing money on it, I don't know if he'll be tight end two in snap counts, but I think Jody Fortson will finish second on the team in receiving yards from a tight end. See, I'd, I'd agree with that. And then total yardage by running back. I mean, I think you can pretty much lock that in for like, 
uh, you know, if you're talking running back one, if it's going to be Clyde that gets the majority of it, or even the guys that when you combine it for Andy Reid, you get a fairly, fairly consistent, like, 14 1500 yards you know overall between all your guys combined you know that's both rushing and receiving you know with the extra game in there maybe you can bump it up to like 1600 1650 i think we'll see that and i i mean it'll be a it'll be a group effort i don't think that you're going to have a guy that's going to get 70 percent of the snaps at running back this year it just is not going to be one of those positions that that happens but you're going to see more of a group effort. 1,700 yards. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a lot of yards in the offense. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's a that's a chunk of it. But this, again, both of these positions, you're going to be carrying eight roster spots. And, yeah, 1,700 yards, you know, that that's great. That's awesome. Between four guys. And now you're talking about Travis Kelsey is obviously the most important non-Mahomes piece on offense. So, yeah, it's like you've been listening to the weekly previews. I haven't. I haven't. I actually tune out when you start talking. Um, <laughs> but the other three guys, so between seven guys there, you're maybe talking another 200 yards. So you're talking about 1,900 yards between seven players here on offense. And yeah, some of the tight ends are going to play teams. A couple of the running backs are going to play teams. But some of those guys are not at all. They're just not built to do some of that stuff. So, like, it it just kind of comes back to, are you keeping eight guys at those two positions? Is it worth it to keep eight guys? Now, I know Andy does, and Andy obviously knows infinitely more than any of us will ever know about football. But, like, is it worth it to keep that those numbers of players, Maddie? <sighs> Probably not. <laughs> like, I... It's hard Especially at the expense of a wide receiver, I guess. It's hard I, I mean, because I can see where and why you know specific players would be useful, like why you would want to have this other guy on the roster. But at the end of the day, you have to play three phases of football. You got to fill out guys that are going to play special teams. You got to have guys that are going to be able to take over and do like full on backup roles and not just be player specific roles. So like I get why it would not work. I understand. It's like I don't I don't think you can. I don't think you can keep guys that don't do a little bit of everything and that's kind of unfortunately where the Chiefs get stuck. Yeah. All right. Dylan fun 26. Fact, fun fact on the tight ends. I, I was researching yeah. while you were talking. Yeah, let's Demetrius go. Harris's last three seasons with the Chiefs were all over hundred yards as a tight end nice. too. The mm-hmm. lowest amount was in 2016. He still had 57 more yards than any other tight end two that has been on the Chiefs since at the end of the year. He broke 200 yards at one point in time. Granted, 70 yards out of like this 225 came in the game he started against Denver and Patrick Holmes for start. Uh-huh. But Demetrius Harris caught a lot of flack by Chiefs fans. He has been, as a receiver, infinitely better than anybody the Chiefs ever placed him with. Like, he really has. He was a lot better, and the stats kind of bear it out. Now, blocking, eh, hit or miss. But receiving. I, I, I was going to say, there's, there's also the blocking element, and then... We can talk about the the penalties that that he may have incurred, nah. you know, taking a negative toll. This question is purely about passing a hundred yards right now for a tight end two, <laughs> and there's only one tight end two that's done it in the past okay. seven years for the Chiefs, and his name is Man. Demetrius Football Harris, and he See, did it three times. <laughs> See, this this is why you're on the squad, Maddie. You're the best stat cheer picker that we got, buddy. <laughs> that's what I do. That's what I was made for. 
Dylan 26 asks, can we utilize Leo Chanel the same way that the Cowboys utilize Micah Parsons? Now, I, I'm going to assume that he's just talking about the way that Micah Parsons rushes the passer, blitz packages, and things like that, because Leo Chanel is nowhere near the Mike linebacker that, that Micah Parsons. He's just not. That's, that's not his forte. That's not his best role. So we'll talk about him from a pass rushing standpoint. Um He's not as bendy as Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is a freak bender, but utilizing him in that way, lining him up over the A gap, lining him up, you know, on the line of scrimmage and having him loop over the top of some of these rushers, you know, basically being like, you know, the looper on on a TE stunt or something like that as an on the line rusher. Yes, absolutely. He could do that. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the closing speed. He can basically peel around some of that. It doesn't really matter that he's not as bendy. You're not asking him to line up and just say, hey, I'm going to beat this offensive tackle. You're using him creatively to win with his athletic traits in small spaces. And when you can beat those bigger guys in those small spaces, get quick pressure, you get quick hits on the quarterback. I can definitely see Spagnolo getting really excited about using him on the line of scrimmage a la how he used Reggie Ragland in the dime when they would you know bring in three defensive linemen they'd stick Reggie on the line and have him just kind of line up all over you know a and b gaps and have him rushing from the interior it was effective with Reggie it's gonna be even more effective with Leo yeah I I think it would be the smart way it's the way you're gonna get the most out of him moving him around I I think Craig kind of nailed it though he's a very good blitzer And while I understand the athletic testing says differently, he does not move the same in space or when turning as Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons was an absolute freak of nature with his ability to bend and turn. Like his flexibility was actively insane. Leo Chanel moves like a brick shithouse and that's fine. That's completely fine. It's just different. So you don't like one too. (laughs) Use him as a blitzer. Use him as a guy mugging an A gap, have him looping around. All these things are fine. You can even line him up as an overhang and have him rush. That's completely okay. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to be expecting him to beat tackles one on one off the edge based on a pass rush plan or physical gifts that often. So I think it'll be similar to what they did with Micah Parsons at times. But like you're just looking at a different caliber of player right now. You're, you're not going to kick him down a defensive end and put his hand in the dirt and say, hey, go win against this tackle like Micah Parsons did. Hey, that's just not going to happen. But as a blitzer, sure, sure. I can absolutely see it. Wes, does Juju or Alan Lazard have better stats this season? Juju. I mean, I, I'm giving Juju that. By a 1, landslide. Percent. I don't think it's close. Yeah. I Listen, I get that Alan Lazard is going to be a featured player for is he? the Green sure? Bay Packers probably maybe <laughs> I don't know like Devonte has gone so he had eight touchdowns no, last year I was unaware he did of that have eight um, touchdowns last year no, I'm still taking Juju easily I, I Alan Lazard's not not that guy no he's not Zach um asks how well does Orlando Brown Jr. perform as an outside zone run blocker thanks I will hang up and listen part of this conversation was about you know tailoring the scheme to the player versus tailoring tailoring the player to the scheme and how Andy Heck asks guys to do this. But Orlando Brown Jr. is actually pretty awesome as an outside zone run blocker. It's not like you're thinking of him where you're going, hey, this guy's got to pull out into space 
and he's got to go find you know heat sake guys at you know second and third level a lot of times with the way that nfl defenses are playing right now and aligning because they don't like to put the tight end outside of orlando brown jr if they're running to the play side there they're probably going to have him covered up by a blocker they have him covered up by a blocker He's got to do a base block. All he's got to do is get his hands to the outside, which he's got really long levers. He's able to get his hands to the outside shoulder there and wait for Joe Tooney to come along and knock the blocker on his ass. And then Orlando Brown Jr. can kind of cut off the pathway. He's such a large human being with a wide wingspan. He can cut off the pathway of the, you know, the Mike linebacker or whoever that's coming across. You've got a nice avenue to run behind you know, Orlando Brown Jr. as an outside zone run blocker. Now, are you going to ask him to be a pulling tackle coming all the way across the backside and seeking somebody out? No, that's not that's not his strength if that's what you're looking for there. But he can absolutely support an outside zone run blocking scheme, especially since they don't need to put the, ta- the tight end to his side to really get displacement over there. Yeah, I agree with the vast majority. I think Orlando Brown does come up with some issues when you start to get uh, stand edges trying to go outside zone guys. They're going to have a little bit more agility and are a little bit farther away from him. Like when he Mm -hmm. does have to close that distance, he lunges or he's a little late. And those guys, well, when he gets in contact with them, he's going to bury them. He does struggle to always find contact and then he'll lose the leverage battle. And when you get a quality player of that regard, they can stand him up and really reduce him down. So like if he can get his hands on guys, very good. If he has to work out into space to do it, there can be some ups and downs with that. I, I will also say this too. He disappointed me sometimes as the backside tackle on outside zone. Yeah, uh, There was some times where I thought that he let guys get inside of him when he didn't have to. And that that's a problem. Like when you're dealing with the running game, that's probably, you know, the outside zone is designed to make a cut up into the middle of the field. Eventually, if that running back does have to make a cut all the way backside, that backside tackle can't let somebody get underneath them. Too many times I thought he did that without washing a player trying to jump that gap down or without just completely taking them out. I would like to see him be a little bit more reactive to something like that in the future. And that if the Chiefs decide to keep relying on outside zone, which I hope they don't, it at least allows that cut bike to be a more viable option than I think it was sometimes with him in there. Wes, so all the talk about Orlando Brown Jr., but what about the other OBJ, Matty? Any interest in adding another wide receiver, or do you think we're good there? I think this room's pretty crowded, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I think he would help, but who who are we taking snaps away from now, right? Like, who do we want to remove snaps? Who do we want to see get on the field less that OBJ would take snaps? Like, is he probably better than MVS? Yeah, but when is he going to be better than MVS this year? I don't know. And also, MVS November, gives you that new December. identity. Yeah. yeah. And MVS I mean, gives you that new identity. It's like, I, I just don't see where you're going to work him in. All right. Yeah. I have one question left for you and you got to speed round it. Cause we got a yeah, minute. Let's to go get out of here. Let's go. Yeah. KCS in, in like Substack employees. So me, you Kent, Tucker, BJ Kissel as Scooby-Doo characters go. Oh my God. Scooby-Doo <laughs> characters. Um, like I'm the main, Velma. like, you know, Mr. Um, e. yeah. <laughs> i'm definitely velma kent is fred um let's see here you don't think bj's fred interesting i don't uh, uh man now see the more i'm thinking about this i don't know I, i'm trying to think of who would be shaggy i uh, just kind of stumbling oh. along oh it, it might i might be shaggy <laughs> i really might be shaggy here i think i think tucker's shaggy he's tucker's got shaggy unlocked 
I don't. I may uh, maybe. Tucker's such a nice guy. Um. All so right. Uh. Let's see. Man, Ken PJ do have to vie for that uh, that Fred role. Um. It's Kent Daphne. Man. Spends the most time on hair and makeup. That's true. Okay, Ken's Daphne. I love I love that one. So that that opens up BJ for Fred. Maddie, you're Tucker Scooby, and I get to be Scooby or Shaggy. Like you know, you, Doug, you're, I think- you're Scooby. You are the connecting thread for all of God, this. this. You is, are the guy, the reason much. for the season. I do like is, to eat. Yeah, I'm, that's true. <laughs> you, that that's definitely true. So yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I just got to be Velma then. Fine with it, cool with it. Love to wear orange <laughs> and skirts. That'll do it for twenty-one questions. And the those meddling kids in podcast, uh, sponsored by Macadoodles. Stay tuned next week. We'll have whatever happens with Orlando Brown Jr. coming up. We'll get you covered next Monday with a live Casey Laboratory. Talk to you then. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com